This is AgriFutures On Air, brought to you by AgriFutures Australia, driving innovation in Australian agriculture. Hello and welcome to AgriFutures On Air. I'm Jane Cudahy. The AgriFutures Rural Women's Award provides a platform to showcase projects which will have a positive impact on Australian rural industries and communities. With seven national finalists, the 2022 cohort are involved in everything from food security and health services for some of Australia's most vulnerable, to helping people access fitness programs and communication initiatives highlighting the impact of rural women. The Rural Women's Award is one of many AgriFutures Australia initiatives, ensuring our rural industries prosper now and into the future, and we need to thank Westpac, the platinum sponsor of the award, who provides a $15,000 grant for their project, business or program, access to professional development opportunities and alumni networks. In this episode, we're talking to Kylie Jones, our Northern Territory winner, who understands the importance of teamwork and community in empowering people to be the best version of themselves. Drawing on her years of experience in primary education, in 2020, Kylie launched Raise Education, a not-for-profit organisation with the goal of building a community that supports remote educators to feel connected, empowered and confident about the lessons they deliver, and in doing so, make the remote classroom a place that fosters a love of learning in students. Yeah, so I um, grew up in Tasmania and I just loved school from the moment I started and I think it really led to me... Um, wanting to pursue that passion and be able to share that joy I found in learning with others. So I became a teacher and straight out of university, I really wanted a job and I was lucky enough to find a position in Alice Springs. So I jumped on the plane at 21 and moved up to Alice Springs to start my career in teaching. That's quite a culture shock, really, going from Tasmania, which, you know, even in the most isolated parts, which are isolated, I can can completely vouch for that, but very different kind of isolation to, to the Territory. So can you just talk a little bit about the, about that first sort of culture shock, really, of, of moving states? Yeah, definitely. It was, um, I, I guess, a little bit of a daunting experience, but I'm someone that once I have my mind set on something, I just sort of jump in and um, I loved it. It was just such a great experience. And in some ways it was kind of similar to Tassie for the fact that, you know, both the Territory and Tassie are often forgotten about with the rest <laughs> of Australia and left off the news and that. So I think there was that sort of sense of community um, in the Territory, which was somewhat similar to Tassie. But, um, yeah, it definitely was an experience to sort of grow up and, and um, get by by myself. Yeah, and you were playing professional cricket too at one stage, weren't you? Yeah, so all growing up I absolutely loved cricket and I was lucky enough to be in, in the first team when Tasmania was um, accepted into the women's National Women's League. So I played that for a couple of years and um, loved it, but it sort of got to the point where we were travelling around so often that it was so hard to have a, a full-time job and I was just so eager to become a teacher and you know, take on a, a full-time role. So I, I chose to sort of step away from cricket and, and pursue teaching. Oh, and thank goodness you did because, you know, with teacher shortages right across the country, uh, you are very, very precious in your vocation. So when you went to, the, to Alice Springs with that job, was that at a mainstream school? Yeah, I was at um, a school that was about 200 students at the school and, um, yeah, primary school, and I initially started out as a PE teacher there. Well, that would make sense, I guess, with um, yeah. with the cricket background, the PE stuff would come normally. But tell me how you ended up governessing because that, that really took you out of the suburbs, didn't it? 
Yeah, definitely. So I, I taught um, at the school for four years and ended up moving into the classroom in my second two years. But um, I felt like I'd rushed from school to a job, uh, well, school to uni to a job. And I had sort of missed that chance of the gap year. And you sort of hear so many people um, when they're older go, oh, I wish I'd done this and that when I was younger. So I thought, you know what, I'll try something different and my best friend um, she had gone governessing and had worked on a, a cattle station in the Northern Territory for a number of years so sort of through her connections I, I decided to take up a position as a governess on a station in the Northern Territory. And that's a bit it's a bit of a romantic notion still isn't it when you you have your gap here in the Territory there's lots of young ringers that go up there uh, on on jobs and governesses so did it did it really fulfill what you thought it would? Would it did it you itched the scratch? Did it did it work? Yeah, definitely. I think yes and no. Like it was it, it's not quite the things that you imagine in, in some regards, as in it, it was tough and I was a bit older than all your sort of um jackaroos and that. I think I was about twenty five when I moved up there. Yeah, ancient. So, I ancient. Think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it kind of was a matter of finding, you know, where I where I fit in and where I belong because I wasn't in that stock camp. Um, and then you're kind of a little bit separated as as the the governess, but I just enjoyed it so much and ended up staying on a second year and moved with the family to another station in the Kimberleys, and um, which was just an incredible experience. And and under not great circumstances, my boss ended up having um, breast cancer, and the kids spent quite a lot of time away with her that second year, but it allowed me to. Um, spend some time in the stock camp and, and go out mustering and do a lot of the, the cattle work, which, you know, just added so much more to my experience and I, I felt really lucky to have that opportunity. What did you notice most about going, that transition from a classroom with, you know, heaps of kids the same age and, you know, that face-to-face teaching to the role as a governess where you've generally got a few different age groups in the classroom together and, you know, you're on your own and responsible for them? Yeah, definitely. I think it was um, there was aspects that were similar, but I think being able to really focus on the individual needs of the child when I was governessing was just awesome. Like when you're in a classroom and you've got sort of 25 kids and you can see the needs of them, but you don't necessarily have the time um, to be able to. I had four students in my class, so really being able to take it back to those basics and, and focus on what they need. But you know, there was a lot of challenges with that and, and um, you know, working with the school and, and finding out, you know, what it was that they wanted done um, while making sure the kids were getting the most out of their time in the classroom. And that actually, and full disclosure, I teach uh, my three children through distance ed and I think one of the greatest challenges is, is what you just said, besides the, the multi-year classroom, is that uh, communication with the school and servicing the individual needs of the children. So how did you find working, you know, as that almost liaison role between what you could see was happening in the classroom and and the working with teachers uh, that don't see the day-to-day of the schoolroom? Yeah, definitely. It was kind of at times frustrating for, for that um, them not being able to see and understand what's going on but having their expectations of what they want completed so at times that was challenging um, but I, I think it really helped me build that that stronger communication and articulate what it was that I was seeing so that they were able to support um, the children in the classroom along with me giving them the the support that I could provide so yeah it was a great opportunity to learn how to yeah communicate better I think. 
Yeah. Oh, yes. No, communication is key. So now you, we're talking to you today because you're the Northern Territory finalist for the Australian uh, Agri Futures Rural Women's Award uh, with your uh, charity, Raise Raise Education. Raise Education. Am I saying that right? Raise Education. So just yeah, it's an acronym for it stands for Remote and Isolated Support and Education. So I kind of just go with Raise or Raise Education most of the time. Okay. So how did that how did that idea come about? Um, so when I was off governessing in, in that time and meeting other governesses and other families and sort of realising the role of a governess, you don't need to be qualified in any sort of um, way as a teacher. And so many governesses are young girls straight out of year 12 or mums that have never had any experience as a teacher. And, you know, I saw a lot that were trying their hardest and really wanted to give the role everything but just didn't really know what they were meant to be doing and it sort of got me thinking about how there was a real need for more support in in remote areas and um, for me I sort of went back to teaching after two years and spent a bit more time in the mainstream system but sort of became frustrated within that and felt I wasn't meeting the individual needs of students and it led me to sort of step away and um, I decided to take a bit of a leap of faith and start up raise where I could support governesses, support students and really sort of strengthen education in remote locations across Australia. So when you're saying support them, are you training the um, the educators? Is that essentially what you're doing? Or yeah, offering along a support those lines. service? Yeah. Yeah, so um, what's kind of unique and special about RAISE is that we not only work with the student where I'll do the initial assessment with them and find out where their point of need is, but then from there... I spend a lot of time working with the governess or the the mum to teach them how to be delivering that individualised learning program in the remote classroom. And I think, um, you know, developing their skills and knowledge because every person brings in so much of their own experience and and I think it's quite um, silly to, to undervalue that. So it's about building that team approach to education and giving them the skills to be really confident and passionate in their roles in the classroom to best support the students. And and how has it been received? What's the what's the feedback been like from the home tutors and, and educators that you've been dealing with? Yeah, I think that's been the most exciting part because when I initially started it out, my my key focus obviously was the children and supporting them. But as it's grown and developed, I've realised how how far a reach I have to impact and support the the home tutor or the governess. And and I've had a lot of feedback saying you know they feel so much happier in their role or they've chosen to stay on for another year because they feel like they're really, you know, making a difference in the classroom and have more of a um, understanding of what they're meant to be doing in there. Something you said before about the fact that, you know, many mothers, essentially mothers, I'm, I'm yet to see a full-time dad in the classroom, but I'm sure there are and hats off to them, but mothers and, and governesses aren't necessarily trained in education or have any kind of teaching background when they take on teaching their kids. How do you see the, the future of that? Are, are the kids getting um, the right sort of education through distance ed when some of some of those educators aren't trained? Um, I think so. Like at the end of the day, all of these families, they receive education through their distance education provider, whether it's School of the Air or, or whoever. So they're getting that regular program day to day. And where RAISE comes in is it's in addition to that distance ed program and really goes back to 
our focus is going back to those basics and building those key um, literacy and numeracy skills so they can sort of have that strong platform to, to branch out as they grow. So, you know, as time goes on, the ideal way that we would operate is to work with children from sort of two to three years of age and build that really strong platform up to the end of around grade two, where then they can really take on board a lot more within their school program. So how how many do you have on the books at the moment? Without You don't really have to go into terribly much detail, but like what's the the uptake been so far? Yeah, so at the moment I'm working with around 40 families um, across mainly the Territory, but I've got a few families in Queensland, South Australia and WA. Um, and, yeah, I've had a lot of interest around getting that support, which has been so exciting. And our next step as we continue to grow and develop, I really want to bring in some specialist um, learning support, including speech therapists and an OT so we can be identifying learning difficulties as early as possible before students start to become frustrated and and find school hard. It's all about always building that love of learning for kids. Has there been much research into that learning difficulty and needing access to more support with distance ed families? Is is it along the same Um, lines as some of the urban kids or is is there a, a big difference between those kind of needs in rural areas? I think that the main thing is for a lot of these families, they're not exposed to other children um, on a regular basis. So um, they're not seeing where their child is in comparison to others, which can be, you know, quite concerning at times. They're not sure where their child sits. So being able to, in some regards, just give that reassurance they're on track or, or to identify those issues. And I think in a broader level, I think, For all of sort of remote and rural Australia, even families that are going to, you know, a regular school setting, our our long-term goal is to be able to offer that support for any family um, in a remote area that needs it because trying to connect with these specialist support services and find the help you need can just be such a challenge when you live away from your sort of big towns and cities. Do you think that there is a case for exposing some of the distance ed teachers to the actual home classrooms, you know, as, as a rite of passage when you sign up to distance ed, you know, at the beginning of the year, new teachers go out and have a look at a schoolroom for a day or, or whatever, just to, to really understand how schoolers is taught in some of these remote classrooms? Yeah, definitely. That would be absolutely amazing. And I guess, you know, if that was a possibility, it'd be so great. But, um, you know, it's something I'm quite passionate about as we grow and expand with phrase that I, I'm trying to bring on people that have experienced this life. And I guess myself, I live on a station, so I have that understanding. And I think you can hear a lot about it, but until you've really experienced that life, it's quite hard to understand some of the, the challenges you face living in the middle of nowhere. And I think, too, one of the one of the big challenges is that multi year level classroom even if you do have a teaching background you generally you know your day is organized around one year level with you know a set of curriculum when you've got two three and four different levels all doing different subjects on different you know um to different time frames that's a huge challenge and very daunting if you know you you don't have any kind of teaching background yeah definitely like um it really can be a big challenge and, and learning how to, to deal with that. And I think the more we can move towards a, a team approach in education and, uh, you know, for me, I really want to build a strong partnership with, you know, School of the Air, distance education providers, 
families, children, so that we can really make this a, a strong approach where you're, you're bringing in so much knowledge from lots of different areas. What are your big challenges when you, you know, kicked off Ray's and decided to bite the bullet and here it was, um, what, what were the greatest challenges that you faced? Um, I think for me, because I've always been a teacher and, and I've never had to sort of deal with running an organisation or thinking about finances or any of that governance side of things, it's been a very steep learning curve trying to work out how to make all that happen. And then I guess on top of that, the, the funding aspect of it, um, I, I'm really passionate about providing this service free of charge for families because I think they already face so many um, additional financial costs that many mainstream families don't face. So, um, But at the end of the day, you still need money to operate. So that's definitely been a major challenge. So, yeah, that was going to be my next question. You are registered as a charity. So how how is that going and what was behind that decision? Yeah, it's been really good. It was so exciting when we got that status. And it's, it's more so to be able to, as we approach, um, I guess, corporate, looking for corporate partners and, and, and that philanthropic avenue, having that charity status and being a deductible gift recipient gives us um, a much wider reach of where we can sort of seek funding. So I think that was my thinking behind that, to be able to deliver these services free of charge because, yeah, I really believe education shouldn't be a, a profit-making business and, you know, every child should have the chance to, to chase their dreams regardless of their financial situation. To, to put it out in layman's terms, when you say that rural and remote families do have a bit uh, a bigger cost associated with education, what do you mean? Like, what, what are those costs? Yeah, so I guess to start with, families are looking at um, either employing a governess where you're looking at about, you know, $50,000 a year or as a, as a mum or a parent giving up your opportunity to pursue a full-time um, job so that you can run, run that remote classroom. So that's just a, a gigantic cost in itself. And then on top of that, you're looking at travel and accommodation to attend um, school events throughout the year and, and even just the resources within the classroom, it's often put on the, the families to provide those. So just massive costs these families are, are facing and I think we're losing a lot of very valuable people out of the, the agriculture sector because people just can't afford to be, be doing this if they're not in a, a, in a management position. No, it's a very good point. There are many points that you raise. Now, as I mentioned before, you are the Northern Territory finalist for the Agrofutures Rural Women's Award, which of course comes with a $15,000 grant from Westpac. How are you using your grant? Yeah, so it's been really exciting. I've used the, the $15,000. We're putting it towards um, brand development and having a really clear message around what we're doing to support us in pursuing potential funding as we move forward and also to be able to get our message out there, not only for reaching more families that need support, but also on a wide, wider scale in Australia and, and showing people the challenges these families are facing so that we can work towards um, really improving the outcomes for these children and families. What's next? You, you've gone through quite a few of the things that you're working on um, and what are you excited about? What's you know getting you out of bed in the morning at the moment? Um, I think just seeing like rays grow and for me every time I sort of get to meet up, I spend a lot of time on the road visiting families and children and and seeing them excited to be at school, you know, you, you can't even put into words like the difference when I've worked with children that have hated school and have been really struggling to read and that, to see that change when 
they get the support that's specific to them. It's just incredible. And I guess also in, a, in another aspect for me, finding, I guess, a real a sense of purpose and, and what I, I feel like I'm doing, what I really am meant to do. And I'm at a point now, especially through um, the opportunities that have been provided by the, the Rural Women's Award to be able to share that mes- message with other people and whether it's in education or in different areas, but to, to really encourage people to find their passion and, and, and find that purpose because it, it really is an incredible feeling when, you, when you're doing what you really love. So you've obviously stayed in the Territory and Territory's home now. You're not tempted to go back down to the, to the Apple Isle? No, well, I always try and get home over Christmas. Um, my family's there, so it's always nice and I've got some really good friends. But for me, you know, for the foreseeable future, I absolutely love the Territory and it's where I need to be for Ray's at the moment. So, yeah, it's definitely home, home for me um, for, for at least the next few years. Oh, that's very exciting for you. And what do you, when people are setting up their school, and like this is quite a specific sort of distance ed question, but, you know, these, ki- these bush kids have such an amazing life where they sort of, you know, can run outside for most of the day. They're all involved in the businesses and, you know, they know their way around the cattle yards or the paddock or whatever it is that they're doing. And you know, so often, you know, school isn't the worst distraction from whatever they've got planned for the day. So how do you really engage bush kids? Like what's the secret to that and, and making the classroom an exciting place to be? Um, I think for me it's about sort of making visible what we're trying to achieve and um, getting that buy-in from kids by explaining, you know, always encouraging them to to question what we're doing and be able to respond with a, an answer that makes sense and, um, I think also just going back to, to the research around learning and for me I've done so much within um, the research in literacy and reading and when, when it makes sense to kids and they're successful and, you know, it's not a struggle, it's just amazing how willing they are to be part of things if they know they can achieve success. And then when things really click too, I've noticed with our kids it can be a bit of a battle sometimes and then you think you're not flogging a dead horse, but certainly when everything just clicks, it just uh, it's quite a magical moment. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's always about thinking, you know, I try, try really hard as an adult and encourage um, the governesses and parents I work with to think about a situation where you don't understand what you're meant to be doing, how reluctant you are to do it. And I think if we can transfer that back into the classroom and remember you know, kids want to do well, but if they don't understand what they're meant to be doing, that's where you start to see the frustration and them sort of putting their feet in and not wanting to do it. So that's why I think, you know, as as a whole education in Australia needs to really work towards um, going back to finding those individual needs of each student so they can achieve success. And just just finally, Kylie, you know, what's your pie in the sky dream? If this, if you got everything your way and raise Raise is uh, exactly where you want it to be. Where is that? Where What would be just be the ultimate dream for Raise? Yeah, for me, I think obviously at the moment we work with distance education families, but I'd love to expand to the point where we can offer this to any family that wants that individualised support and, and help families put that in so they can support their children. So not only in rural and remote areas, but, you know, the absolute dream would be able to offer this service across Australia and support every child to, you know, love school and love learning. Sounds pretty idyllic to me. Well, Kyla Jones, thank you so much for your time today. Best of luck with with AgriFutures Award in the next little while and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great.
just heard from Kylie Jones, the AgriFutures Rural Women's Award Northern Territory winner. She's one of seven national finalists in the AgriFutures Rural Women's Award. Online applications for the 2023 AgriFutures Rural Women's Award open on Wednesday, the 7th of September, 2022. Thanks for listening. I'm Jane Cuddy. You've been listening to AgriFutures On Air, a podcast brought to you by AgriFutures Australia. For full access to a huge backlog of stories on Australia's agricultural trends and innovations, research outcomes, inspiring stories from our rural leaders and insights into new and emerging rural industries, please subscribe to AgriFutures On Air on your favourite podcasting app. You can also find more information at our website, agrifutures.com.au. Thank you.